Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's great to be here tonight to worship God. I just want to thank all the elders and people here who have given me this opportunity to speak. I do want to say one thing first, that the jury has come back. I know the rumors are true. This definitely makes you feel way cooler wearing this microphone. <laughs> and you might be wondering also why I brought a water bottle. Because last time I gave a lesson, which was two years ago before COVID, I definitely felt why the Israelites were complaining in the wilderness uh, after having a dry mouth for 30 minutes. <laughs> anyway, but I'm glad to be back with y'all uh, this year after being in College Station with my family this summer. It was a super busy summer, got lots of traveling you know, with my family, but it was a super good summer. Um, it's great, as I said earlier, to be here this evening as God and Father who's in heaven. Um, for those who are wondering, I don't have a PowerPoint tonight. Um, sorry for those who are trying to take notes. But if you are taking notes, the title of, the le of my lesson is uh, A Mindset on God, Living a Life That Glorifies God. So tonight, I want us to look and reflect on our, on our minds and hearts and ask ourselves a series of serious questions. The first being, do I have a heart that is set on following God? And then after that, am I living a life that is pleasing to God? Um, this topic has been on my mind since uh, this summer when we were studying Ephesians at camp. Um, but some of y'all here tonight may be even asking a question before that, which is why? Uh, why do I care if my life is pleasing to God? Or why does God even care? And the answer to that question is yes, God does care uh, because he's created us in our, our image. And, uh, in Psalms, the 100th chapter, or the 100th Psalm in verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord, the, the author of Psalms says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Uh, this psalm tells us that God is the God of the universe and that he created everything. He created us, and we are his children. We are his people. Um, now, you may have known that, like me, and now you're thinking, well... Because of that, what does a life pleasing to God look like? And maybe you're also like me, and you think of verses in John, the 14th chapter, verse 15, or maybe even 1 John, chapter 5, verse 3, which they say, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And now you might be thinking, well, this is it. Uh, his commandments aren't burdensome, and these verses show what a life pleasing to God is, which these verses do, and maybe now you're thinking, all right, I nailed it, and now we're getting out early, cause, which is a blessing, because I forgot to eat a snack before, and uh, now I'm ready for dinner, so a double win. But that's not all the Bible says. It's only the starting place of our Christian journey. If you know me, or maybe you don't, but I like to tell stories in my lessons. I think in every lesson I've preached so far, I've told a story about someone or something. 
And I was told this story. It's about a young man. And this young man, he goes off to college, to a college far away from home, away from his parents and family and friends. Um, this college was the best in the world at that time. And he learned a great many things. He majored in political science. He learned calculus, foreign languages. He learned how to read and write and history. And every, everything at that time, he knew. And everyone at that time who was big and important, he knew. Uh, the schooling was tough for him, but the hardest part was being around people who were ungodly. He had to deal with their peer pressure and their sin. But he remained faithful through college because he had a plan and that he believed what God said. He had a strong faith. Um, I know tonight there are those of us, there's a lot in the audience who are about to go back to school to start a semester in college or starting college or about to finish or have already started the school year, starting high school, middle school, elementary school. And we must realize that, that this will happen to us. Our faith will be attacked and we will be put into positions to defend our faith. And we have to have a plan like that, this young man and have the same kind of faith of this young man and believe what God has said and that we are able to defend what he said. Now, keeping God's commandments is a good place to start, um, living a life that is pleasing to him. But that's not all God cares about. God cares not only about us keeping his commandments, but also how we keep his commandments. He cares about our hearts. God has spoken throughout scripture because it is a very easy trap that Satan has set that we can all fall into doing something for the Lord without our hearts being truly into what we are doing. And if you would, our passage of scripture tonight will be Matthew chapter 7, the end of Jesus' sermon on the mount. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of our Father who is in heaven. On that day... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then 
I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Um, as I stated earlier, this is a very easy trap that Satan has set that we can fall into, not doing something with our hearts being true. Um, and I think Jesus knew that because he says it right here about us just going through the motions. And this passage right here and other passages are some of the most frightening scriptures in the Bible. To think that we're doing something for the Lord, but that he truly knows our heart and really knows that we aren't. As I stated earlier, this is the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking about going through the motions as he wraps up his sermon. Um, we're called as Christians and people of God to enter by the narrow gate. Um, God has called us all to be different, to be better than the world. We constantly have to be looking up and steering our lives towards God because if we're not, we find ourselves drifting further and further from Him. If we're not constantly looking up and moving closer from God, we are moving further from God. God has called us to stand out. As it says, enter by the narrow gate. Um, the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction, which is the world. The world's way is easy and inclusive. Everyone's included. But ultimately, its end is destruction and death. So this sermon, this section of Jesus' sermon brings to mind, to me, the story of Pilgrim's Progress. Now, I don't know who in this audience has read the book or not, but it's a great book. It's an allegory about a man whose name is Christian. And he starts out in the world with all his baggage from his life. But then he finds Jesus and is baptized and all his baggage that he has from the world and his past life is taken away. But his journey is not over. It's just getting started. And through the book, he has to battle dragons and other beasts like lions and all sorts of things. He has to uh, walk through valleys of death and even at the end face Satan himself before he finally crosses through the river of life. And not to spoil it, but he makes it through heaven, as I said. He, will, he crosses the river of life. Um, I definitely would recommend this book, not to plug a book or anything during a sermon, but it is a great book. Um, if you haven't read it, because this is our story. Uh, this is our story. We're Christians, and we started out in the world with baggage, but ultimately, we we're on the same journey as he was. So we constantly have to be checking in and making sure, as Jesus said, that we are staying on the straight and narrow path and bearing good fruit. Jesus tells us many times that we are judged by the fruit we produce, and if we are producing bad or no fruit at all, that we're going to be cut down and thrown and used as firewood. Cut down and used as firewood. How scary is it to think that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven? So then, how do we know if what we're doing is pleasing to God? Uh, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, if you would turn with me there, 
Galatians chapter 5 is right before Ephesians. He says in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. As Christians, we are called to have love for our brethren, to have joy, peace, patience, be kind to people, be good to people, be faithful to God, be gentle, and also have self-control. As well as belonging to Jesus, we have to crucify our fleshly desires, turning away from the things that we once that we once participated in to filling our lives with things that God has promised the fruit of the spirit our love though has to be more than just a tolerance for our brothers and sisters that's not true love that's not real love glorifying God through our lives means having a genuine love for our neighbors. That means being hospitable to them, inviting them over to our house, having them for lunch, dinner, checking up on them, and those types of things. Not just, oh, yeah, I know who that person is, but to have a real genuine love for that person and a real connection with that person. Not just know about them, but know them as we're supposed to know God. We show God's love in the world through our love for the people that are created in his image. True love that we have builds up and glorifies God. When you break down all the commandments given in the Bible, it comes down to Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you will turn with me there, and we'll start in verse 1. This is the greatest commandment given. And it says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord your God has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I have commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, and might, and as later Jesus uh, 
expands that we show our love for God through our love for our fellow brothers and sisters. When you break down the Ten Commandments stated in Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter, just a chapter earlier, the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are about loving God, and then the next six commandments are about loving your neighbor. And Paul speaks of this same love in 1 Corinthians, the tenth chapter. Let's turn over there and read. We'll be starting in verse 23. Do all things, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. And then now we'll skip down to verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whether you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am in Christ. As Christians, we're not supposed to be seeking our own good, but the good of our neighbor. Doing everything to the glory of God. Not giving reason for people to be offended, those in the world and the church. Trying to get along with everyone and not seeking our advantage so that everyone ultimately may be saved. This is what Paul said to do, but most importantly, it's what Jesus commanded us and what Jesus did. And I'm not talking about matters of standing up for God's truth that we need to get along with anyone at all costs, because that's definitely not what I'm saying. We need to stand up for the truth, but there's a correct way of doing that. That doesn't mean going on social media and typing your own opinion for people to see uh, without context. There's a correct way to do it. And people who are offended should not be offended by how we stand up, but for what we stand up for. In James, the third chapter, in verse 17, it talks about this. and talks about wisdom from above. And it says in the 17th verse of chapter 3 of James, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The truth matters. But we cannot be out in the world shoving the truth down people's throats because that will only turn them away from the message that we are trying to spread. We have to go about it in a peaceable way. We have to be peaceable people, gentle, willing to talk with people, discuss things with people, and show them the mercy and the fruits of the Spirit that I read about earlier and that Jesus had. Jesus says that the fields are white for harvest, but we have to show the world that as people of the church that we are people of peace and that's how the church will grow. Before people care about how much we know, they have to know about how much we care. The reason that the Israelites were taken into captivity is because they broke the two commandments, the greatest commandments, about loving God 
with all your heart and loving their neighbor as themselves. They went after other idols and they had no respect for their neighbor, selling their own brethren into slavery. And Amos, the minor prophet, talks about this in chapter 2. In verse 6, he says, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted. They went into Assyrian captivity because they took bribes. They didn't have compassion on the needy, the poor, and the afflicted. As Christians, we can't be like these people. We have to have compassion on the needy, the poor, and those who are destitute because God commands it while standing up for the truth. Going back to the story that I started earlier, the young man that that the story was about grew up. He graduated college, and at the end of his schooling, he graduated at the top of his class and was immediately hired by the government and eventually became a powerful person. So powerful, in fact, that he was third in line. Because of this power, his enemies hated him and came up with a plan to get rid of him. They couldn't target him based on his work, but his faith. Because they knew what kind of person he was, and that his faith came first in his life. But he knew what they were up to, and he still glorified God and prayed multiple times a day. This eventually is what did him in, and he was sent to prison because of his faith. But God was with him during this time and rescued him. And the men who had it out against him were put into prison and stayed in prison until they died from conspiracy conspiring against him and the government. He eventually passed away at an old age, but isn't this a great story? It's the story of Daniel. It's a great story of his faithfulness in living a life that glorified God. He lived a life that glorified God. Um, this, in Bible class this year, we've been talking about going through the seasons of life here at Milwaukee Avenue. He didn't just glorify God and live a godly life during one season while he was young or while he was old, but his whole life, he lived a life pleasing to God. And everyone here in this audience, young or old, can relate to that. You can take something away from Daniel. We have to have the same mindset on following God, doing everything like Daniel did, pleasing to God and living a life that is glorifying to God. As I finish up tonight, in Matthew the seventh chapter, at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, as he ends his Sermon on the Mount, he says this in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds beat on that house, but it did not fall. Everyone because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. If we do what Jesus says here at the end of his sermon, we are like the wise man. We are wise. 
because we have built our house on the foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. But if we don't do what he has said, we are foolish, and our destruction will be great. Tonight, we all have a chance to do what Jesus has told us to do, um, what he has called us to do, living a life that glorifies him. He has called us to go out and baptize people in his name, making disciples. So tonight, if you need to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, or if you, have been, if you were once baptized and have fallen away and have not been living the life of a disciple that you should be and need prayers of the congregation, or you just need prayers of the congregation, please come forward as we stand and sing.